The longer we go into this new environment, this inflationary environment with random shortages on the supply side, with huge supply chain issues, with the labor issues that we're seeing, which we can get into that later, because that's a huge factor. Now we're struggling. Those things are compounding. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. And normally I would say to you, and welcome to my co-host on the show and co-host in live, Glenn Tate. As many of you know and have been praying for him, he is... Uh, waylaid with COVID and continually ask you to continue to pray for him. And, uh, and we know he'll be back soon. So, but today's show, we have one of our past guests to join us. I'm so excited. I'm not going to tease you too much, but I do want to give a quick shout out to some of our great sponsors who help us keep the, keep great content coming to you. One of them is, um, Minutemen Coffee. And I do not start this show without a good, strong cup of Minutemen coffee. Um, you can check them out at our website at prepping2-0.com over on Friends and Affiliates. Great, patriotic, prepping, constitutional, loving folks over there. When you make an order with them, you're going to get a copy of the U.S. Constitution. They are unabashedly pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, no apologies. Um, if you use the coupon code I Miss America at checkout, you get 15% off. And they are the exclusive roasters of the I Miss America blend, which is the only thing Shelby, me, will drink. So there you go. Another quick shout out to Numana Foods. Seems kind of important these days, and it'll it'll become more important as we talk about um, our topic today. Um, getting food in your storage so that you can be ready for what's coming. Numana Foods specializes in bulk freeze-dried fruit. If you go to our website again, prepping2-0.com, friends and affiliates, you can click over to their website there. Use the coupon code PREP, lowercase, at checkout, and you can get 10% off. So without any further ado, I want to really spend a lot of time with our guest today. Our guest is Dan, the food industry guy. Great guest who always gives us great information. Welcome, Dan. Hi, Shelby. It's great to be here. It is great to have you. Thank you so much. So, Dan always brings to us the pulse of the food supply industry because he's got his thumb on it. So, really quick, well, not really quick, really want to talk this out. Well, and, and I want to jump in here and, and say, first of all, the last time we talked to Dan, which was last summer, you were talk- we talked probably about a half a show, like a really long time, about the shortage of... Um, Shipping containers. And yeah. as I've watched the news pan out, boy, that came true. Do you have any, do you want to add a fine point onto that? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it was easy to foresee uh, from where I sit. And uh, yeah, not at all surprised that that is panning out. And, and unfortunately, there don't seem to be any uh, quick fixes on the horizon for that particular issue. So, okay, so I'm going to I'm going to probably ask this a different way or add to ask more of that question as we go, because I know we've got some great things to talk about Um, right now. Fuel prices and how that's affecting everything. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, fuel prices are absolutely going up. And one of the things that we keep an eye on because fuel is a major expense for us uh, is, is what the. Uh, the analysts and such think that fuel prices are going to do, and it's it's near unanimous across the board that fuel prices are only going to continue to go up. Um, you know, the U.S. it went from uh, energy independent to extraordinarily energy dependent over the past really uh, year or so, and so that's really hurting us when it comes to fuel prices. Um, there's also a lot of shortages that are that seem to be just randomly cropping up mm-hmm. um we had a, a truck driver in uh, southern ohio this week and he went to three different stations before he could find diesel so things like that uh lead to great inefficiencies and such but with fuel prices going up there's the obvious right everybody thinks about truckers and oh well diesel price goes up things get more expensive but 
there's a lot of other things tied into fuel prices, uh, such as, for example, uh, a lot of um, farmers use natural gas to dry out crops. You know, it's rare that you can harvest in ideal conditions. And so a lot of times natural gas is used to um, blow warm air and heat a little bit the crops after harvest to dry them out so they don't mold, right? Uh, that process just got a lot more expensive and it's only getting worse. Uh, another thing that it affects as far as my end of the equation is concerned is an extraordinary uh, an extraordinarily large amount of fuel, particularly natural gas, is used in the production of fertilizers. Mm-hmm. And when fertilizers start to get expensive, uh, everything else does too. And the fertilizer price is just unbelievably high right now. It's more than doubled uh, in the last six months or so. Um, we had a week, uh, let's see, this show's going to air uh, a week and a half after we Mm-hmm. Uh, record it. So by the time this airs about three weeks ago, uh, fertilizer prices went up about 70% in a week, just in one week. And it's mostly connected to uh, the price of natural gas and supply chain issues. So what that leads to is that leads to a lot less planting uh, come next season if these prices remain this high, um, particularly in corn. Corn uses a lot of fertilizer. Um, most cornfields that you you would drive by uh, throughout the Great Plains and here in Texas, they, they use, you know, anywhere from three to four times the fertilizer that other crops like wheat use. And so that's going to really affect things, uh, planting seasons and prices for a long time into the future. Um, if these gas prices and natural, natural gas prices don't come down, which they're not projected to do. So fuel affects everything. Uh, I mean, we fuel is one of the um, one of the biggest things that we keep an eye on because every step of the process of getting food from the field to your plate involves heavy fuel usage of some one form or another. Um, so that's kind of a quick update on fuel. Um, tying it into fertilizer in particular because that's that's a real problem uh, coming up on the horizon if these prices can't go down. Um, a lot of farmers would have already purchased their fertilizer for the next year. Typically, they, they get that out of the way uh, well in advance of the actual growing season. And most of the guys that I've talked to so far haven't ordered any fertilizer. It's just too expensive. They're wow. kind of in a position where we either wait until hopefully the price goes down or we plant a quarter to a third of our usual crop just because they, they're not going to be able to sell their crops for mm-hmm. anywhere near a reasonable amount if this is what they have to pay for fertilizer. And that goes, that is a direct tie in to natural gas. Um, CF Industries, CFI, is a huge producer of, of various types of fertilizer. And, and there's others too, there's mosaic and such. But CF Industries in particular um, says that there's going to be huge cutbacks um, in fertilizer usage in the United States come planting season. Um, they're projecting between 50 and 70% cutback in fertilizer usage because of the expense. Um, and that's not just in the United States. That's a worldwide issue at the moment. Uh, Europe, the natural gas price is far higher than it is in the United States. And uh, in Europe, a lot of the fertilizer plants were actually shutting down. Uh, CF Industries is one of them. It was shutting down uh, the plants that create fertilizer in the uh, European Union area. And the EU actually was bailing them out. They, they were just writing basically blank checks to oh get them gosh. to reopen uh, because they know how critical that is. So everything I say about the issues here in the United States, you can you can mentally double those issues into Europe because their prices are so much higher mm-hmm. uh, for natural gas and other things than they are here. So it, it's a worldwide issue at the moment wow. um, that, that the industry is very, very concerned about. Okay, so uh, in the in the midterm. So I'm not. I don't. I always hate to cut you off, but I. T- whew, okay. And I have some questions for you, but I want to give it again. Always a quick shout out to our great sponsors. Quick shout out to EMP Shield. Love these folks. 
Boy, everyone got concerned here recently when there was um, projected that there could be a CME coming at the end of October. Thank goodness it did not. EMP Shield, though, has developed a device that will protect your devices from coronal mass ejection or an EMP. Encourage you to look into them. Um, great folks over there. And um, if you use the coupon, well, again, check them out at prepping2-0.com. Click on friends and affiliates. Click over to them. Use the coupon code prepping2.0. They have an awesome coupon code. You use that coupon code, you get $50 off each device, and you get peace of mind that your electronics, your home, your car are protected from such a huge surge. Um, government agencies use them. This, this is a tried and true um uh, method of protecting us so big shout out to them also want to give a quick shout out to backwoods home magazine oh my gosh i as i have rec been recovering from covid recently i have read a whole lot of them and got cover to cover i am encourage you again check them out on our website and use the coupon code six off that's the digit six off at, at checkout and you'll get six dollars off so okay so back to Dan, the food industry guy. So Dan, question, and I, and I, because whenever I talk to you, I remember things that you've said before, and it becomes very um, prophetic, some of the things you say, and I know you know that. Um, I remember having a conversation with you about a year ago about how the projections, excuse me, folks, my, my voice is a little shaky here. The projections for last year's crops were bad because of just bad weather conditions, weird weather patterns. And now we're looking at the reason our crops being bad is because of fuel prices and the inability to get fertilizer. So are we, we're looking at, again, more bad crops is, is another aspect of what I'm hearing you say. Can you speak to that? <laughs> yeah, so really the last uh, couple of years in, in the United States, we've had uh, bad harvests in one form or another. And what, and what I mean by that is either lower yields than expected um, or very poor quality yields mm -hmm. um, or both or a combination of the two. So, you know, people can handle the industry can handle a bad crop year that's you know we kind of expect that every now and then that's that's normal to expect um too many variables that can't be controlled right um but when you start stacking them back to back to back that's when you really run into issues um so what what we've seen the last couple of years is is bad crops in one form or another that's definitely the case um, going forward, we're looking at the same scenario, um, except exacerbated by uh, shortage of parts for tractors and such. We're looking at much higher, much higher fuel prices. Um, so it's just going to exacerbate uh, something that's already been an issue in recent years. This past year, um, a, a lot of the harvests that uh, farmers did not expect to get, they did. We got some very timely late season rains and things like that, that really helped uh, get some of those crops across the finish line. But what we found this year is that the quality has been extraordinarily poor. Um, and also, and we've talked about this on previous shows too, mm -hmm. there's this ongoing buying spree of anything edible yeah. by um, China and some other countries. So very poor quality crops this past year. Uh, and I know that's a, very, uh, that's a macro statement right. uh, without drilling down into the specifics, but just overall very poor crops. Um, what's happening now is a lot of the countries that we sell to and export to don't care so much. China doesn't really care uh, what grade, you know, your, your soybeans are. They just want them. So we're exporting a lot of that, um, but that is exacerbating the inflation issue that we're seeing at the grocery store because it, the manufacturers are having, food manufacturers are having a very hard time finding uh, the quality of um, product that they have to have to produce food in the United States. You know, uh, Cheerios can only go down to a certain level, right? <laughs> Before they can't, they just can't use that quality right. of grain in their product. So that's what we're running into right now. Um, as far as next year, who knows what the weather, weather patterns are going to be. Um, this does look like it's going to be a uh, colder than average winter 
we've got La Nina and, and such going on right now. So a pretty cold winter that may delay planting. Who knows what's going to happen, you know, six months from now. But um, if we have a bad weather year on top of all of the other scenarios that we're dealing with right now, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. And what we would notice is we would just notice continuing food inflation. Um, we're at something like 30% a year right now yeah. on food inflation. Um, and that is not supply side. That's, that's retail side. Um, supply side is more. And that should, that should absolutely continue uh, into next year. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I want to, I want to put a little uh, bookmark on the, on a word that you said earlier, and that's China. I've, so many questions about that, but I know one of the other things that, um, and we, oh, oh, yay, we're just, we're, we're not running and rushed in for time. I love it. So, um, pulse of the industry. That's one of the things that you wanted to talk about. So Mm -hmm. give us the pulse of the industry, Dan. Yeah. So really, uh, the industry is struggling with everything that I've just mentioned, but on top of that, there's a lot of scrambling going on right now. Um, so let me draw a contrast. When COVID first hit uh, some, I guess, almost two years ago now. My goodness. Yeah, isn't that crazy? When, it is crazy. <laughs> two weeks to stop the spread. That worked out great. Mm. Um, so when that first hit, it was everyone was scrambling on the retail side, right? There were huge caps on the shelves. Uh, the, the retail grocers were, were ordering and ordering and ordering, and there was backlogs at the distribution points, and manufacturers were scrambling to turn out enough product, right? That, that's kind of what was going on then, and we had a show about that. Now what's happening is retail has, has kind of figured out how to hide most of those gaps. Distributors have learned to stock up every chance they possibly can to keep their warehouses a little more full. Now the scrambling is very much on the back end, kind of the unseen end for your typical consumer. Uh, the, the real struggle now is on my end. It's on the producers and the manufacturers end. Um, and, and the reason for that is that the longer we go into this new environment, the longer we go into this inflationary environment with random shortages on the supply side with huge supply chain issues with the labor issues that we're seeing, which we can get into that later because that's a huge factor. Now, now we're struggling. Um, Those things are compounding in a way that, that is really detrimental. And so we're seeing small companies, small um, food companies, more or less went out of business first when they couldn't handle the shocks. Mm-hmm. But now I'm starting to see much larger companies that are either out of business or about to be. Um, I'll give you an example of that. Um, one company that I know of, they're in um, nuts and granolas and things like that. And, and they do pretty significant revenue. I'd, I'd say they're squarely a mid-sized company. Um, they supply a lot of big grocery stores that we all shop at and, um, they are looking like it's, it's extraordinarily likely that they're going to go out of business by the end of this year. Um, and the reason for that in speaking with some of the executives over there is all of these things are just compounding Mm -hmm. and a product that was $8 a couple of years ago, they're selling that same product now for 26 Yeah, and no one is purchasing the product. Um, labor's hitting them. So, so these things are compounding like a snowball rolling down a hill gets bigger and bigger. And, and the more it compounds, the bigger the company it hits mm-hmm. and affects. Whereas we've been able to survive so far, but down the line, unsure we're, we're we and everyone else is raising prices because we have to, not because we're padding our margins. Our margins now are lower than at any point since we first began uh, nearly 20 years ago as a company, uh, significantly lower, I might say, um, because of all these things compounding. Um, you know, the, the PPP, payroll protection stuff, that really helped a lot more than I think the average consumer realizes. That was basically free money. Yeah. Um, and so that, that helped mask a lot of these things. But that's gone. 
mm-hmm. uh, that's dried up and the issues are continuing. So what's happening now is a lot of these companies are facing uh, bankruptcy or similar because they cannot raise prices to the point where they have the margin to survive. And the, the average consumer just isn't going to pay uh, the prices that, that are required. Right. Um, so, so that's kind of what's going on right now in the industry. I know a lot of people in the food industry who are out of work or who know that they're about to be out of work. Um, that's, that's just universal across the industry. Wow. Um, and one of the, this, one of the largest um, packaging producers in the United States, I've been told is absolutely going to close their doors in January. Um, and that's going to uh, very negatively affect packaging, which we've kind of gotten a hold of mm-hmm. the last six months or so. Um, but that's going to become an issue again. So that's, that's what's going on in the industry. We, we are really scrambling on the back end of the industry. Um, one of the ways that that's going to affect consumers is the more these companies that go out of business, the lower your selection is going to be, of course, but it's also going to consolidate the industry. Um, it, you know, the food industry is, you know, Cargill and such, they, they control up massive amounts of the food industry as it is, but this is going to serve to further consolidate the industry into just a few major players. Um, because these businesses, before they go under, of course, they're trying to sell. <laughs> the first thing they're doing is trying to, hey, P&G, would you like to buy it out? Um, mm. And often what we're finding is, no, we don't want to buy you out. We want you to go out of business, and then we will come in and start up our own for cheaper, and now we'll dominate the space that you once uh, were competitive in. So the industry is consolidating. Prices are going up, and the, the back end is really struggling right now. Um a lot of the industry as well, and just cut me off if I'm. Um, you got about a minute. Long. You got about a minute. You're good. Okay, let me throw this out there too, sure. and then we can pick it up on the other side. A lot of retailers are understanding that this is happening. So what they're doing is they're intentionally asking for fewer products to review when they do look at their shelves. Um, so typically, in the past, a a grocer would say, okay, in the jelly space, for example, you're a jelly manufacturer, right? You make great jelly and stuff. Um, we want to see five to 10 products, right? We want a good selection, you know, all your different flavors of jelly, all your different sizes. Well, now what's happening is they're reducing that down to give me one to three hmm. that are your best sellers that you know you can produce at the best price, supply chain solid, that kind of thing. So they're intentionally you know, we lost about 30% of our selection in grocery stores just across the board. Right. And, but now it's, it's even more intentional. They're just drawing back and drawing back to what can we put on the shelf that isn't going to have so many supply side issues that is not going to inflate too much for the consumer. Um, so mm. we're, it's a slow devolution back to, you know, fewer and fewer and fewer options right. for the consumer, even as the price continues to go up. Wow. That just feels like the depression. So I'm glad you stopped there because we do need to quit, take a quick break. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go away. We've got so much more to talk about with Dan, the food industry guy. Dan, the food industry guy. Don't go away. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. 
Abe Lincoln here. In 1773, patriots broke the chains of British tyranny by throwing tea into Boston Harbor. On that day, Americans began drinking coffee. We celebrate that event daily here at Minutemen Coffee. All men are created equal. <laughs> coffee is not. Minutemen Coffee is roasted to perfection in small batches. Bold, smooth, and never bitter. Shipped to you fresh daily. Whole bean, ground, or our patented pods. www.minutemencoffee.com when the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or a CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. Uh, as, as like I always say, please continue to pray for Glenn. I will, everybody asks me, what can I, what can I do? Pray. That's that's working right now. Want to give a quick awesome shout out to some more of our awesome sponsors, Katie Armor. Great folks over there. Katie uh, is C A T I stands for Come and Take It. They specialize in everyday Joe body armor. Not, this is for you and I, not necessarily for law enforcement or for military. I know about you, but when I see some of the recent violence that's been happening on our streets and the defunding of the police and the hamstringing of the police, I think uh, might be a good time to get a hold of some uh, personal body armor. And I would encourage you to consider it too. These are steel body plates. Steel is becoming very difficult to get a hold of. So you can find them at our website again, prepping2-0.com. Use the coupon code GRANT at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. Other great folks I want to give a quick shout out to is Lizzie McDaniel. She's one of our great folks at redstaterealtors.com. And she is in, excuse me, again, shaky voice. She is in Tennessee. She's one of us. She's awesome. You can check her out at that website. And um, we have a new sponsor. And I want to give a quick shout out to them. My Kind CBD. Again, you can find them on our website. Glenn and I have been using CBD oil. This is not the stuff that's going to make you high and make you loopy and make, make you weird. This is the healing side of CBD oil. And my kind CBD is one of the highest quality ones out there. We believe in them. We use them. And it has been a game changer for Glenn as we've walked through his, his cancer treatment. Not going to lie either. Been really helpful when I have a teenager that plays football. And every time he plays a game, he comes home black and blue. Good stuff there. So check him out at our website. And then um, I want to bring back um, our guest, Dan, the food industry guy. We're just talking about kind of the pulse of the industry and how things are getting very consolidated. And and I'm going to say it, kind of cutthroat. 
you know, one industry waiting for another industry to go under so that they can take over that space in the market. And I know that's how business works. Welcome to free markets. I get that. But wow, these days that that gets that gets kind of crazy. So one of the other things I really am excited to hear what Dan has to say is inflation. Inflation effects on the supply side and the whole and the wholesale side of all of this. And I and Dan, if you can also bring in, we were talking about how PPP. You know, the the business protections that the Biden administration put into place to help keep businesses afloat. It's weird to me that those were, you know, that was an, an insane amount of spending to keep businesses afloat that created the inflation that here we are. You know what I mean? It becomes this kind of evil circular thing. So, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as the uh, the PPP stuff, that it was a short-term benefit for sure. Yeah. Uh, there are absolutely companies today that would not be in business Good. Uh, without that plan. Uh, at the same time, it yes, it contributes to greater inflation. Um, so it is kind of a, uh, you lose either way. Exactly. Exactly. But it, you know, it, it's like giving someone who's completely underwater, they're drowning in debt, right? They have whatever, $200,000 in debt that they can't pay. You hand them $10,000. Well, that does help for a little while. Right. Right. That's a great but example. It's not going, it's not going to keep them alive long term, right? They're going to eventually succumb to the debt load that they cannot pay. And not saying that the food industry is, uh, takes on a lot of debt, but at the same time, that's kind of the scenario. Right. And some companies were able to take that PPP and they were able to make very smart decisions with it. And, and they're still alive and kicking and probably going to survive today. Some didn't. <laughs> and it yeah. just depends. Uh, so yes, short term benefit. Sure. Um, most of the inflationary issues that we're seeing, um, there is monetary policy, of course, and it's very difficult to say, okay, we did all this stimulus in 2020 and uh, much less, but some in 2021. What's the direct correlation between that mm-hmm. and the price of a gallon of milk? Well, that's hard to say. There's got to be an effect there, right? Right. But what we see, what we see directly just on our bottom line is we see uh, the price of all materials across the board going up. We see fuel going up. We see uh, shipping and freight going up just massively. Um, And we see the cost of labor going up. Uh, also massively. And so those things all have a lot of different issues tied into each one of them, but we've kind of created a perfect storm uh, on the wholesale side uh, between monetary policy, between shortages, between all of the things, not that I would argue, not that COVID created, but that the uh, governmental reaction to COVID Mm -hmm. created. Exactly. And that's really kind of at the heart of all of this is the the actions taken by governments around the world were largely very detrimental to the health of their economies and long-term low inflation growth. Um, Labor is one of the things that you mentioned as well. Mm -hmm, Yeah. So let me talk, talk about that a little bit. Labor is killing us maybe more than anything else right now. And, you know, we have a lot of different positions in my company, right? We, we have, uh, you've got executives, you've got sales guys, you've got uh, people that work out in the field, you've got people that do, you know, work in the warehouses and things like that. And what's really killing us is not the high wage earners, because if you're an executive, you're not really getting uh, any pay increases <laughs> because right. you already make pretty good money. But if you are down on the you know, lower half of the scale, uh, in any given company, uh, your pay has potentially doubled and, because we can't find labor. Right. Um, our, our warehouse teams, you know, warehouse work is, is uh, typically something, you know, in, in Texas we pay you know, $10 an hour for, something like that. Mm-hmm. And we have for years. Um, it, it's crept up over time. It used to be 8 and then 9 and then 10. 
Um, so we've kind of gone up a little bit over the years as, as we uh, deemed it necessary. Uh, but at the same time now, instead of $10 an hour, you know, we're paying 15 to $18 an hour for the same basic work. entry level type work mm-hmm. because we have to, Right. we can't retain workers without paying that. Um, and you know, it, it's been a bit of a mystery. Like where have all the workers gone? <laughs> to, oh yeah, me seriously, seriously. Drive through any size town that has fast food restaurants, and you know half of them show have signs out "lobby closed, lack of work, right. lack of workers," that kind of thing. Um, so, what I believe is happening is this: is one, a lot of people when COVID hit, a lot of people are out of work, and they didn't mean to be, they didn't want to be, but they they were forced out of work. And they got stimulus and they got uh, expanded unemployment benefits and, and such. And a lot of those people learn to live on that money. Right. Um, especially if you were making eight, nine dollars an hour before, you know, now you're actually making more money in mm-hmm. some cases to stay at home. And those benefits, a lot of those people, and those benefits yeah, keep th- getting extended too, but depending on where you live, well, right? Depending on where you live, yes. Uh, it, not in Texas. Right. They're not. Not in Montana uh, either. Exactly. Yeah, depending on, you know, the bluer your state, the more likely you are to get those extended. But a lot of people are, um, have kind of transitioned during that six to 12 month period of time onto living on what they've got and to uh, getting those government benefits. And a lot of those people just transition straight into government benefits mm-hmm. after the expanded um, uh, stimulus and such yeah. fell off. Um and, and the issue that we're running into is, okay, so I'm offering you $12 an hour as an example to do job X. Well, you may be already making that just sitting at home right. on government benefits. That may be what you're making. Okay, fine, fine. I'll give you $15 an hour. It's going to hurt my bottom line. It's going right. to, you know, it's going to make the, my price to the consumer go up. But then people are looking at that saying, well, that's, I'm working for $3 an hour more. Yeah. Why would I do that? Right. I would rather just not work. For three dollars an especially hour. If well, you, I can't give you double. I can't give you twenty four dollars an hour, right? Well, and especially so if now you, we're just if you've go got, ahead, if, go especially ahead. if you've gotten accustomed to and you figured out how to live on twelve. Let's just say twelve dollars an hour, and somebody offers you fifteen. It's like the inconvenience of going to work every day. No, I'm good. You know what I mean? Right? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Right? Yeah. Right. And why would you do that for three to five dollars an hour more? Right? Right? For most people, and I, and I'm not even saying you know, that that's a, a laziness thing or, or anything like that. Maybe it's, you know, a, a mom looking exactly. at that saying, you know, I was making 15 an hour, but for $3 an hour, I'd rather stay home with my kids. Exactly. You know, so it's not, I'm not blaming anyone mm-hmm. for taking that. That's, that's just a monetary decision for anything else for them. But that is what's happening in a lot of cases. Another thing that's killing us on labor too, is there's a lot of people that are just job hopping. Um, we'll hire someone. We will employ them for a month or two months or three months and then they'll leave and they will, uh, you know, maybe go back to collecting uh, government funds of various types or because there are so many jobs out there that offer signing bonuses. A lot of people are just hopping from company to company. Oh, I have to go over here. I'll make $15 an hour, but I'll get a $2,000 signing bonus if I stay three months. Well, those people are usually quitting on three months in a day. Yeah. Right. And they're, and gaming, they're, just, they're, they're gaming the system. They're grabbing those signing yeah. bonuses. They're gaming the That's system. That's happening a lot here. Oh, my gosh. I, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, realistically, if you're in that bracket, you know, the, the 10 to $15 an hour bracket, if you go grab uh, $1,000 or $2,000 signing bonuses once a quarter, suddenly your yearly income's looking a lot better, right? Right. Because you're, you're doing that. So that's happening a lot. Um, and, you know, it's just compounding the problems yeah. so much. Yeah. We, we want to pay our workers a fair wage for what the job is, is worth. And at the same time, we want them to stay with us and we want to promote them internally and we want to move them up the chain as we can. That's been our model for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may come to us entry level warehouse work as night at 19 years old, but you know what? We've had people come in and at 20 or 21 years old, they're management and wow. they're overseeing 
you know, 10 or 15 employees and they go up from there. Um, that's what we like to do, mm-hmm. but that, that funnel has been chopped off right in the middle because no one's staying around long enough to get mm-hmm. promoted and to get to those higher wages. Um, so it is kind of hurting us a little bit as far as the talent drain as well, that we can't invest in people and we can't move them up within the company. We have to go out and hire somebody from the outside, um, that we don't know nearly as much about that we haven't spent as much time with that we, we're, you know, you hire someone, it's always a risk, right? Right. Um, so it, it's hurting in that area as well on the, uh, on the labor side. So it's just a huge, gigantic mess. Um, we're not getting people that are interviewing for jobs. Um, usually when we would interview for uh, entry-level type positions, you know, 2019, mm-hmm. we averaged, and I actually went back and looked at this, we would average 98 applicants per job posting in 2019. Wow. For, for entry-level jobs. This is warehouse. This is like, you know, get your certification and drive a forklift. Right. And, um, start, and start building your skills. It's an entry-level job yeah, that right. is... Is a ladder to yep. get, building those skills so you can get to the higher wage that you just spoke about. Yes, exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. You're you're eighteen to twenty five bracket, right? Mm-hmm. And we would get we would just be flooded with applicants. Uh, the last three jobs we've posted like that, we've received six, four, and seven. I think applicants. Wow. For the job, that that's it. We've gone from ninety eight to single digits because no one's applying. Yeah. And it's, it's just cont- greatly contributing to the problems. And then what happens a lot of time is you have mid-level, maybe you have managers, uh, you have kind of your, your mid-level wage earners that are stepping down into jobs that they're being paid too much to do. Right. Uh, maybe by a lot. And then their jobs aren't getting done. Right. We, we, we had last week, uh, we had an executive level employee who stepped into a, uh, into the warehouse and managing one of our warehouses and with our packing lines and such. And, and this, this particular guy is extraordinarily experienced and he's been in the industry a long time and he's excellent at what he does. But he's stepped down to a job that he is insanely overqualified for right. because we just we have to keep our lines running. And so now his job is falling behind. But if we didn't do that, and he's willing to do it, he's willing to do anything mm-hmm. the company needs, which is awesome. Yes. But at the same time, that's a huge waste on our side. That's a huge waste of talent. Yeah. Like huge waste of talent and yeah. and um oper- and what, there's a there's an economic term for it. Um Something opportunity cost. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's part of it. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. I mean, it's just we're paying this guy executive level wages because he's executive level experience and he's doing something that's mid level management. Right. And that's that's terrible to have yeah. to do that. Yeah. So, so if you, I'm I'm just going to talk to listeners out there. If you're between eighteen and sure. twenty five, if you're between eighteen and twenty five, can I ask you to to think? outside the box here a little bit. And I've had this conversation with my son. These are unprecedented times. And this is a, this is an, a time for opportunity for you to get into one of these amazing sort of jobs that's entry level, but you start getting qualifications pretty quickly within a few months to a few years that when we ride out this, what, however this storm rides out in about six to eight years, you're going to, you think you're making money now? Oh my gosh. I encourage you to quit looking at the government dole and to start looking about how right now there's opportunity to be had for those who are in that 18 to 25 year old and quit looking at it as the short term hot, you know, the short term $2,000 bonus every three months thing. That might seem profitable now. Sticking to one of these jobs for the long term will, will pay you dividends in eight years. And what do you think about, Dan, am I right? That's, that's phenomenal advice. It really yeah. is because the, the opportunity right now for, for those people who are getting into entry level jobs is, is so much greater than it's ever been before. Exactly. Uh, now 
quite a few years ago when I was in the age bracket, uh, I, I remember looking around for, for jobs and it's, there were some out there, but you couldn't just pick your industry and say, Oh, you know what? That's a great job with a sign on bonus for a great company. Oh, That's yeah. what I want. Unheard of signing the competition bonus. was crazy yeah. and there weren't that many jobs available. Now, if, if you're in that bracket and there's an industry that you want to be in long-term one, you're going to start off making 50% more money than you would have three or four years ago. Exactly. So that's great. Two, you're highly likely to get a sign on bonus on top of that. And three companies, especially smaller companies are absolutely desperate for your skills. Mm-hmm. Absolutely desperate. If you get one of these jobs and you show up and you work hard, you're ahead of 95% of your peers immediately. Exactly. Exactly. And you will grow and you will make a lot more money long term than you think you will, probably. Right. So that, yes, that is excellent, excellent advice, um, particularly for that age bracket. Yeah. Like the, the government money is not going to last forever. Um, you know, and if you're if you're looking into starting a career, this is a phenomenal time to do it. Another thing I would say is that um getting into a smaller company is going to accelerate that growth. So yeah. if you get into a, a locally owned business that maybe has 30 or 40 or 50 employees, right? They're going to value, um, hard work, good work ethic, availability, things like that, uh, more so than the very large companies would. Mm-hmm. And they're going to value your loyalty and your work ethic. Um, and that's the route that I would go. I would yep. jump to those smaller companies that are locally owned um, because that's where you can really stick around and be a fixture for yeah. a long time um, and, and really go some places. Well, and, so that would be, yeah. And, and if I can add to that, this is again to that, those in that age bracket, I want to tell you this. Imagine being at age 25, if we, if you ride this out and not just do the hopping from job to job and, and taking advantage of the government giveaways right now, stick to a job. By the time you're 25, my predictions for you, you might be able to buy a house, you'll be able to support a family, be able to buy a car, you'll be able to have, by the, I'm going to tell you this right now, ladies and gentlemen, when I was 25, I was driving the car that I bought when I was 16, <laughs> which means it went for... It went from point A to point B, and it was not a pretty car. Do you see what I'm saying? So the opportunities for you to have an economic, amazing future by find you're allowed to be picky and choosy right now, but don't be hopping and hopping. Pick and choose something because it's not just the food industry; it's the um, trades industry. It's all kinds of pick and you have the opportunity that Dan and I didn't to kind of choose your career. But once you're in it stick to it and in I and I'm going to say about 8 years you are going to be very comfortable so hang in there and don't let this message of hopping of taking advantage of the giveaways that are going to go away eventually there there's opportunity for that particular age group so anyway we have hammered that point yep. enough we have about 5 minutes so i want to ask you okay what what's going to happen the is santa coming for the holidays dan <laughs> uh, Santa's Santa's coming, but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, I think inflation and supply chain issues have probably also hit Santa. Yeah, and so uh, it may be a little slimmer yeah. than what we're used to. So the holiday situation is is interesting. Um, we are recording this what uh, first early week. November. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. End of the first week of November is when we're recording this, and right now most grocers are not rolling out uh, their holiday food sets just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a few places that are, and maybe you're starting to see, you know, uh, expanded selection of hot chocolate and marshmallows. But generally speaking, that's not happening at this point in time. And the reason for that is most grocers and the ones that I'm uh, pretty well connected into because we sell into them, they are holding back the holiday food selections further this year due to two things. One is supply Mm -hmm. because there's supply issues are just rampant everywhere. We've beat that to death. But two is the mentality, 
Two is prices, uh, price inflation. And I guess three would be the mentality right now is if we roll out Thanksgiving foods the first week of November, what's going to happen is a lot of people buy those foods just because they like them yeah. and they kind of stockpile them for later, which is true. That's yeah. absolutely true. I mean, my family, we buy three or four turkeys in a traditional year yeah. and we throw them in the freezer. And I'm pulling one out in April and I'm smoking it. <laughs> and we're exactly. going to enjoy a turkey in April because we like it. Yeah. They're trying to cut down on that. Mm-hmm. They're trying to cut down on people saying, I love cranberry sauce and I never see it outside of home. Yeah. They're trying to cut down on that because the supply is much slimmer this year. Right. Um, and they're just afraid that they're going to run out of all of their Thanksgiving foods, you know, on, on for 17th. That's yeah. what they're cutting the prices are going to be pretty shocking to people on some of the items. Um, the more specialized a product is, the more supply and inflation concerns hit. So things like turkeys, um, you know, the, the whole turkeys that are only typically sold certain times of the year, things like cranberry sauces and um, pumpkin pies and such, they are going to be expensive. Uh, the average cost of a turkey is going to be roughly double this year. Mm-hmm. It just is. Yeah. Um, that $20 turkey last year is going to be $40. Um, and, and that helped with the supply a little bit in, as is concerned. Because someone like me who usually buys three or four and then smokes them throughout the year and eats them, oh, we're probably not going to do that. Yeah. So it is going to alleviate some supply issues, but it's going to be expensive. It really is. Yeah. So let me, um, and, the, and the supply is going to be lesser than, than typical. So let me stop you right there because I want to, we're, we're, we got it. We're getting up to the end of the show. It goes so, f- especially mm-hmm. the second half, you guys, goes so fast. So I want to give a real quick shout out to one of our latest sponsors, U.S. Law Shield. They're the awesome folks that can protect you legally if you find yourself in a self-defense situation. You, there's individual and family plans. Encourage you to check them out again at our website, prepping2-0.com. Use the word prep, P-R-E-P, I believe. I'm looking across the room for 14 months for the price of 12. The other cool person I want to give a quick shout out to is Jared Savick. He is a great realtor in the Kalispell, Montana area. He and his wife are preppers themselves and know how to help you get a good prepping property, whether it be in town, out of town, or way out of town. Check them out at Seize the Day. MT that sees the day Montana.com and don't go away. I have about four or five other um, topics that I want to bring up with Dan, and we're going to find out more about how hard <laughs> Santa's going to get hit. So don't go away, folks. But remember from Benjamin Franklin failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.